Welcome to the Sober Sessions Podcast, where I am your host, Connie McMillan, aka the Sobriety Queen, coach, and author. On this podcast, we help kings and queens live purpose, no longer pain. We interview kings and queens around the globe so that you can hear their real life stories to see just how your life too can be transformed. So let's jump on into the episode. Welcome to the Sober Sessions Podcast, where I am your host, Connie, also known as the Sobriety Queen. I am super excited, you guys. This is not a solo. This is a guest. Yes, guys, I know it has been um, maybe like one episode. So the prior episode, right, we didn't have a guest. So we are closing this year out with the amazing Holly. She will be sharing her journey with us and... I'm telling you you guys are truly in for a treat. I bring guests on, you guys know, just so that you can truly understand what's possible with sobriety as well as God. Uh, Nothing that we have gone through, I believe, will ever be a waste. I believe that God will take our mess and make it a message. That's truly what I believe. And I believe it because that's what he's done for me. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast the sober sessions podcast holly thank you thank you thank you (laughs) thank (laughs) thank you so much for being here you know holly and i met via facebook yep right so i just remember I don't know the extent. I don't know if we were in like groups or anything like that. I don't remember I'm being honest with you. I just know that I was so drawn to the fact of like she was, she had, you know, issues with sobriety or being sober. Like if you see her transformation, but you guys will see her picture later on. If you see the woman that she is today, it just, it inspired me. It inspired me to really reach out, of course, and have you on the podcast because a lot of times we are so focused on our now, right? Or or in your case, the then, the then, where we were, where, we, where we've come from. We don't understand that, you know, God has the ability to transform us, not just, you know, through sobriety, but our physical appearance. Like when I look back on the woman that I looked like before, and I thought she was beautiful. I really did because I was dressing her up. I was beating my face. And I mean, obviously, you know, I still had some wounded wounds inside of me, but I still thought I could go through life, you know, with this facade and pretending like I could just be this gorgeous person. And, you know, sure, I attracted some people, but now I'm so comfortable and I love who the queen that I've become now because, you know, I'm sober for one and I understand my authenticity and that's where life is and that's the importance. But all right, enough about me. (laughs) Let's let's find out, (laughs) tell the audience, you know, what your life was like prior to gaining sobriety. Um, you know, growing up, I really had a good childhood. I had both parents. I was in private school, all the stuff. But then um, my brother died. He was found hanging. I was 11. Um, And then, you know, my sister uh, got diagnosed with lupus. Mm -hmm. And she ended up dying after my mom uh, donated a kidney. So when that happened, I completely shifted away from my family. And went straight to the streets. I mean, bid after bid after bid after bid. 
I got raped at gunpoint. You know, it was just wow. a lot of things. And I thought that that life is what I deserve. Like I never um, could see myself where I am today. Like I thought that that's all I was going to do. Drinking, drugging, that's it. You know, even after I had gotten raped the, uh, the last time, um, he threw like a little baggie of um, my drug of choice to me. Mm-hmm. And instead of, you know, I did it. I did it and just thought that that's what my life was going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, now if something like that happened to me, you know, I'm going right to the cops. I'm going to get a rape kit thing. But back then I was like, you know, this is the life I chose. It is, it, it is what it is. But right. um, living in my car, living in hotels, you know, and my family just begging for me to get help. And I did get treatment a couple of times. I didn't succeed, but I did the last time. All right. And, so you know, before but, you even go into when you did succeed, let's go back. So first mm-hmm. you suffered a loss of your brother. That's your sibling. You said he was found hanging. Right. So in that moment, I mean, that my condolences and that in itself is that's dramatic. Like, did you guys see him hanging? You found him that way? I didn't see him hanging. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if it was my dad. Right. But all I know is that everybody had me sit. I was young. You know, I was he was 11. I was eight. So I was really, really young, but, um, I just remember my dad's face, you know, right. And the white. my God. So that in itself is out of this world, mind blowing. And then your sister, now she is diagnosed with lupus. Mm -hmm. So I know lupus, it it, doesn't, it attack the muscles. Explain to us what it attacks the muscles. Is that correct? Or it attacks your whole body, like your body attacks itself. Okay, so how, how what was the time span between your brother passing away and your sister being diagnosed with lupus and then dying? Um, my sister got diagnosed at sixteen, so I was like fourteen. Gotcha. So and some... um, it was just a whole bunch of uh, dialysis and and all of that, and then that's when my mom had given her uh, her kidney for the transplant, and then wow. you know. I want to say like four months after she had passed away and um, I was 21, she was 23 and that was it, you know? I mean, I feel like, you know, it's, it's, it is so painful to hear that because you have to deal with the fact that your brother's no longer here. Your sister is diagnosed, but you still get to spend some time with her when you, when you measure out the time from the, you know, your brother passing up until you know, your sister passing and then you have to deal with, okay, dang, she's not here anymore. How do I cope? So I understand how you would choose the outside world, if you will, right? Versus your family. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that like? Like what made you, if you recall, what made you say, I don't want to be around my family. The outside world is a better choice. Do you remember? Um, honestly, um, I was really addicted to the money. I was addicted to, you know, all my friends, most of them were drug dealers. So I I just became addicted to the whole thing, going out, drinking, Mm. coming back home, um, getting high, all of that. I I just fell in love with that Mm -hmm. until it became to where 
I was really, really hurting myself. Like I was going to die. Right. You know? And see, I can, I can relate to that. So I, you know, when I was growing up, I was addicted. Definitely. I I can't relate to siblings passing away. So I'm not speaking of that, but the addiction to partying, that was my addiction. Like it really, I thought filled this void of acceptance and feeling included and not excluded. So yeah, that was how I was feeling. So I could relate to your saying like, you know, it was addictive. This is where, you know, everybody was and I wanted to be there too until it just really overshadowed me, overtook me. And before I knew it, my life had turned upside down. And that's the thing about alcohol and drugs. What which what was your alcohol choice and what was your drug choice? Um, my alcohol choice was uh, Hennessy. Yeah, <laughs> and um, <laughs> my drug of choice was heroin. Okay, okay, yeah. and and I ask you that because you know this is not to make you feel uncomfortable. I want the audience to, if I'm going to give you a full, you know, knowledge of Holly and her transformation, I want you to know that you know if you're listening you might be going through the same things, right? You might be saying Hennessy, the cognac, right? That brown liquor is, because I used to drink it. I used to drink it. It wasn't my, it wasn't my preference, but I would drink it occasionally. Long Island Ice tea was my choice. Like I had to have everything. So okay. that's even, Chad, I believe that was even worse. But um, I'm saying that and sharing that because I want the audience to get a full understanding of, you know, look how deep you were in this, right? So- Let's bring them up to speed. So at what point, you know, after the rape, because that in itself is now you got another blow to you. So that's three blows. Mm -hmm. You're talking about, you know, in my personal opinion, Satan just really trying to go in like for the kill. So I didn't got your siblings. Now I'm going to do whatever I can do to get you out of here, too. So at that point, obviously feeling worthless, feeling violated, being violated, um, at what point do you recall when you made the decision to say, I need to get help? Do you recall when that moment was? Yes, I do. Um, I was in a very, very abusive relationship. Like, you know, um, actually the time when I met my husband, I had a black eye. I was recovering from black eye. Wow. And um, he ended up eating me bad. I got away, but then he ended up getting locked up. And when he got locked up, that was my sigh of relief. Like, I was like, I can get on with my life now. I don't have to live in fear because he scared me. He told me all the time, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill him. Like, you know, when he got locked up, that's when I knew I could finally get my life together. Because he made it so that I couldn't be independent. Right. He made it so I couldn't leave. He made it that I needed him and needed him and needed him. And once that, I mean, I see this all the time in my women's group. Always be independent, even if you're a man. Have something to fall on. Mm. You know, you don't want to look for anything from somebody else. You know, like it's it's one of the worst feelings that I had to sit there and get, you know, hit because I didn't have anything to stand on. Right. I burned my bridges. Right. So let me ask you this. So this gentleman that you're speaking of, he was the one who got incarcerated, correct? Before you met your husband. Right. Right. Okay. So... Now, did you meet this gentleman? We, we'll be kind and call him a gentleman, y'all. Um, did, did you meet this gentleman in your lifestyle? He was like, just, I guess, someone who sold drugs or how did you, how did you come to know him? Honestly, 
it's weird because he used to be my pimp. Okay. He used to be my pimp. And then I went and um, I had gotten locked up and I was off. I was on parole for a couple months. But when I came out, I looked good. Mm-hmm. I wasn't on drugs and alcohol. And he was like, it's time for me to wife you up. You know, like, you know, I always had something for you. But, you know, you just, you, you always chose the drugs. Mm-hmm. So now I'm out. I'm clean. I got weight on, you know. So mm-hmm. he just... He just took over, you know, and I was like, okay. I mean, he held me down when I was locked up. Always sent money, everything. He knew. He um, knew what he was doing. That's what that was about. He knew what his intentions were. Yeah, yeah. So you met him during a moment when you were incarcerated. You were getting. You were getting clean because you didn't have any choice but to get clean while incarcerated. Mm -hmm. So he mapped out his plan, knowing like, okay, she's doing well. Plus. Well, let me ask you this, because I don't want to make assumptions. When you were incarcerated, did, were your family, were they in contact with you or no? Um, my mom was in contact with me every single time I was locked up. My dad only the first time. Um, but after the first time, we just came on in no parts. Gotcha. You know? um, but my mom, she just, she came to every visit. She was there every single time. Right. Well, that's a mother's love, honey. It, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it, it never ceases. That's a mother's love. And I ask you that because, you know, at that point, here you are in need of companionship. You know, he knew what he was doing. Trust, I, I believe that. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was planning out his, you know, um, he was making his plan clear so that he could use you for his benefit. Right. Okay, so now let's fast forward. You're out. This quote unquote gentleman has decided to make you his significant other. And mm-hmm. then over time, he he shows who he really is, which is a, a beast and an animal. Right. Okay. And the fact that he knew that, um, you know, like he sold coke and he knew that I know him through him selling coke. That's how I first initially met him. He would make me, you know, do the sales for him. No, you know, it's st- he would just try to make it seem like everything that I was doing was my choice. If I choose not to do drugs, I won't do drugs no matter what, even if it's in your face. And I mean, it was in my face all the time. Mm. All the time. And the only reason I didn't use it is because I was scared that he was going to hit me. If that wasn't there, I probably would have used, you know. So he always had me drinking liquor, drinking liquor, drinking liquor drinking liquor. I was in the hospital for pancreatitis because I was drinking so much. So here you are. Okay. So let me, let me just make sure I'm understanding. My God, my God. So here you are, you've recovered from the drugs, but now he's actually made you, you know, a slave to alcohol. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh yes. my gosh. And so of course, not only just you're drinking for one, again, you know, you can't do the drugs because of him. Cause that's his money. Two, you're mm-hmm. afraid of him. Three, you need to mask your pain because at the end of the day, you're afraid of him. You got to mask this right. abuse. So I get it. All right. So you stay with him. At what point do you, he said he gets incarcerated. So that was your out. So yes. how did you then begin to get your life back together? You, you mentioned about meeting your husband. Was that when you got your life back in order, decided like, okay, this is enough. What Take us through that. 
Um, well, when I uh, he got locked up, um, I was drinking as much, and I went right back to the dope. And um, I was started dating my husband then, and he just he knew, you know. So he asked me in a nice way, and he was just like, "I called a rehab for you if you want to go. If you don't think you need it, we can try to work on it." And I said, "I'll go." Wow. And he took me, and we've been together ever since. My rider. Yes. Oh my gosh. This is an amazing story. I love it. I love it. I love it. God sent the right person. He knew exactly what you needed and, and also gave you the strength to walk in it because you had to, it really ultimately was your decision. So um, take us to what life is like now. You've gone through an amazing, an amazing journey, um, having loss after loss after loss. And, you know, being addicted to, you know, transitioning from drugs to alcohol, back to drugs, now finding your, you know, your soulmate and living this amazing journey. Tell us what life is like today. Um, well, the first thing I did, I got custody of both my kids. And then um, I got married, had another baby, oh, started wow. a business with my husband. What business and is that? It's a trucking business. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Congratulations on getting your kids back, a new baby, Thank and the you. trucking business. That is awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's a lot. And um, usually when I get stressed out, I have a go to a drink. But now, like, you know, uh, I just look at my family and I'm like, I love them. Like, I, I couldn't believe that. I had left my other two kids like with my parents because now I can never myself do something like that. Right. You know, like the true me is out. My dad cries all the time about how he is. Like, it's just, he loves seeing the kids with me. It's just amazing. It, it, it is amazing to just hear it. So let me ask you this, getting your kids back, right? Reuniting your kids uh, with the family, with yourself. How was that? How was it? You know, did they have questions for you? What was that like when they saw mommy well, clean? Both my kids know. But both both my kids know um, about my drug use. My daughter understands a little more. My daughter knew every time I woke up, she was writing me letters. You know, she just, if I told her she can live with me and it would be in a cardboard box, she would have came to the cardboard box and left the family. Like, she just wanted her mom. Yeah. And, um... My son, uh, he was with my mom since he was one. He is eight now. Wow. And he was just so used to them being mommy and, and daddy, really. Right. Uh, so I thought that the transition would be harder than it was, but it went from like him staying over on the weekends to just getting them full time. And he was ready and she was just ready. She's been ready. <laughs> oh, my She's been gosh. Ready. This is an incredible, I told y'all I was going to have something special for you. This is truly an incredible story. And, you know, I feel like, you know, as you said at the top of the interview, right, you were saying like, when you look back at your life, you're like, oh my God, you know, how could I have ever made the decisions that I've made? But I really believe that, you know, in that moment, first of all, we're so broken, we're so hurt, you know, you're not making the decisions, you know, in a right state of mind. And then also, it also says that 
look what God can do. Look how God can reconstruct. He can heal. He can really just take all of that mess and really make a message. That is incredible. You truly are a gift to so many women. So tell me how you are sharing your story. You talked about, uh, I think, a women's group. Is that what you mentioned? Yeah, I do a women's group for with uh, Bergen Regional. Um, in Jersey. A, in Jersey, yeah. Right. It's um, it's a kind of like a halfway house for women. Okay. So um, actually, I got my best friend in there. So she's in there. And then that became, you know, me going to the Zoom meeting every single Sunday. Um, I, I helped her. Uh, a couple of times getting to rehab. I think she finally got it. I'm hoping and praying. Yes. But um, it, it's good because they they love to hear like people that they can identify with. And I just make sure like, you know, you don't have to be ashamed of what you did. Mm-hmm. Like you just don't. Right. You know, I was ashamed for so long. Now I openly speak about how I had to sell my body for drugs. You know what I mean? Because that helps yeah. somebody else know that they're not alone. Right. You know? Right. So you said that there are Zoom meetings. So obviously pandemic is on. So of course they definitely have to be via Zoom. But prior to that, were you in person? Did you get to touch, feel, hug, share, cry with these young ladies? Not, not that meeting, but other meetings, yes. Okay. I miss my other meetings a lot. Yeah. You know, you gotta oh. stay safe. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But just to hear, you know, as you said, your transparency. People want to hear that. They don't want fluff. People want to know you were out there and this is what you look like today. I can only imagine. Can you tell me at least one or two of the responses from one of the uh, women that you spoke with, one of the queens you spoke with? What was their response after sharing your your, your journey? What was their response like? It was always, it's always like I can identify with you so much i did the same thing and that would be the first time that they came out to the rehab or the halfway house that they did that you know i'm like me i, I went to rehab four times okay. you know? and the first three times i didn't say any of that when mm-hmm. i finally became open about it mm-hmm. that's when my life started to change right, right completely right so sharing does help sharing absolutely yes. does help keeping it inside concerned about what other people are going to think, judgment, anything like that, it doesn't help. It doesn't serve. Is that, is that what I hear you saying? Yes. Yes. So ladies, freeing yourself through sharing your testimonies, sharing your experiences. There's somebody out there that needs to hear what it is that you've gone through because, you know, we, we sometimes get caught up on self and we have to understand that it's not about us, right? We might have partook a role in it, but it really isn't about us. Your story is about helping someone else. And the sooner you um, understand that, the better and faster you will free yourself. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Holly, this has been absolutely amazing. I am so proud of you, Queen, to see your life transformed, to be a business owner, honey. I am so, (laughs) so thankful that you, again, agreed to be on this podcast, our last guest for the year. Um, Is there any words that you would want to share with a queen that possibly 
has gone through what you've gone through. Maybe she's feeling some sort of way and, you know, maybe enrolling in a rehab if that's, you know, if that's a great fit for her. But what are some words of advice that you would give to a queen that is just maybe in between, we'll say in between deciding and, and not deciding? Um, I would definitely say reach out, you know, um, the life that you're living right now, the fact that you have to, you know, decide if you should or if you shouldn't, you know, that means that something in your life is going wrong right now. Right. So, you know, getting help is the best gift that you can give yourself because you deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. And don't let anybody tell you differently. I agree. I, I agree with you a thousand percent. I always say you are the gift. And even in, you know, we go back to Ho- uh, Holly's story when she was sharing that, you know, the pimp had really made her feel or tried to make her feel so worthless, right? The pain that she had endured, all that stuff, stripping you, stripping you. And I get it, but you are still the gift. You're your gift for life does not change because of what you have experienced. The pain that you have suffered does not change who God has created you to be. I can promise you. And Holly is living proof, right? So it does not, it does not change. You just have to understand that you are worth the fight. It's a battle, but you're worth the fight. And in the end, you deserve it. You deserve it. And if, you know, if rehab is your choice, so be it. If it's one-on-one coaching, so be it. If it's joining the She Pursues Sobriety with accountability and life membership, then so be it. What I would say is just become a part of a support group. Become a a part of a support program because you cannot do this by yourself, right? So um, any any last thoughts? Like uh, I'll ask you this question. Is there one book that you would recommend for the queens to read? I always ask my guests that question. Is there one book that has helped you that you'd recommend for the queens to read? Alcohol Fiends is a variety queen, girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. She, she caught me so off guard, you guys. I did not believe she was going to say that. Well, why would you say my book? Thank you. Well, why, what, was, what did my book do for you? It, it really broke it down. You know what I mean? It broke it down of, you know, everything about AA. You know, it wasn't like, how can I explain it? I've read so many AA books. It, it, it just it just broke everything down to, like, in layman's terms, I want to say. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It wasn't like the big book. Right. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it no. just broke it down, and it was to the point. Yeah. I absolutely, absolutely get it. <laughs> Thank you. And that was not a plug, you guys. I promise. I didn't know she was going to say that, but I appreciate it. I really do. And that's the point of my book. I wanted to do it in the simplest form. 25 tips. That's it. You know, and those are real examples and what I've used and what has worked for me, what has worked for Holly as well as so many others. So Queen, I want to say thank you so much for being here. Um, You guys make sure that you follow Holly. I will put her information um, I'm actually going to invite you to be a guest in our group. So I'll talk about that more off the camera. But yeah, I feel like you can actually be an asset to the members, you know, starting your own business. That's something that um, 
you never know. Some queens might want to start their own business and, you know, so there might be something you will be able to share. All right, guys, I thank you so much for being here. Know that I love you, but God loves you far more than I ever could. So make sure you guys um, check on out the next episode in 2021. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for all of you across the world, Japan, Ecuador, um, Puerto Rico, so many of you that join in on this podcast. You listen. There's so many more that I haven't named. Please forgive me. Don't take it personal. Judge it to my head, not my heart. Um, I thank you. I truly appreciate your support. Every like, every share, every comment. If you haven't left a comment, please make sure you do so. Go on and leave us a review. Let us know how this podcast has blessed your life, has changed your life. And lastly, do not forget to share it with your friends because that is what we're all about. Sharing is caring. So thank you guys. Again, know that I love you, but God loves you far more than I could. 2021, bigger, better, more healing. We are going to change the world together because that is what God wants. Until next year, later.